Hello, and welcome to Moving Markets by Julius Baer. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Good morning, everybody. Our regular Moving Markets podcast will be back in its usual format on Monday, the 9th of January. But for today, I'd like to highlight a recent conversation that I had with Simon Ibbotson, our head of private markets fund distribution, and Michael Hornung-Morzer from our private markets investment team on Julius Baer's Beyond Markets podcast. I talked to Simon and Michael about investing in private markets. Can you tell us a bit about the main characteristics of private equity and particularly how it differs from investments in public equities? Yeah, um, you know, if you go and buy a share in Nestle today, you pay for it tomorrow. But in our world, you start with a capital commitment that is called incrementally over time as the fund manager identifies and uh, acquires an asset. And there is a fundamental difference, though, as well in our world, that you will get your money back at some stage. I know that sounds an odd thing to say, but if you're investing in a public fund, the investor has to take the decision as to when they will buy, how long they will hold, and when they sell. Whereas in our world, the manager takes those decisions, when they will buy, when they will call capital, what they will buy, how they will run that asset, and when they will sell it, and at what price, hopefully, they're choosing. So it's a fundamentally different way of making investment. I quite like it because I think it lifts a bit of responsibility off the investor's shoulders, especially if we look at this year. We've seen markets in a terrible state. There's been a lot of um, anxiety, I'm sure, among investors and among their advisors as to what to do. Yeah, I think that's spot on and maybe reiterating on the illiquidity of the asset class. And we mentioned previously that investors would typically seek access or exposure via closed-ended funds. So just to give people a feeling of that, so the typical fund term would be 10 years, and that would be split out into an investment period of roughly five years. I mean, that's the maximum um, we've seen in, in, the, in the past five years investment uh, managers kind of deploying their capital more quickly. But it's basically the time they can take in order to deploy the commitments that, that you mentioned previously. And then you have the remainder of the fund life, which is really there for the value creation and the, the time that is required to exit. Let's talk about the illiquidity aspect that you mentioned a bit more now. Saying an asset is illiquid sounds like a negative thing from an investor's point of view. But if an investor can afford to keep the money invested for a relatively long period of time, they, they would be rewarded for this illiquidity aspect. So it wouldn't actually be a negative then. Is that right? Short answer is yes, um, they should be if they're investing with the right manager. However, you must note that most investors would not put 100% of their capital into private markets, but rather have a small or, or these days increasingly notable allocation to the asset class. In my experience, every client can tolerate part of their investment portfolio in longer term investments. And I think the fixation of having a wholly liquid or actively tradable investment portfolio in the belief that such a portfolio is superior is for me a little misguided. So it's important to have a blend of public and private. And if I may add, the illiquid nature of this asset class is perhaps, for me, the most appealing aspect of private markets investing. 
So you just said that it can take a long time. What's the sort of time scale that uh, we're talking about for an investment in private markets usually? When can investors expect to see returns? Oh, I would say about 95% of fund managers who raise new pools of capital uh, come out with a fund that you invest into effectively, limited partnership, uh, of 10 years. But within that time, there is the investment period where the managers will call the capital. But as I keep telling people, don't get hung up on the length of the life of the fund. That's not really important. What is important is the activity within that fund. And as Michael's just said, you know, it's usually about a three to five year period, but that really does depend on the strategy of the investments. I mean, if you were first round investor in Uber, uh, it took you 12 years to hit the public markets. That's because they were building a business from scratch. But if you're investing into a, a mature company that's being bought out by a large manager, he might just want to run that business, own that business for three, four, five years. So you start to get your money back relatively early on, actually, in the process. It's not tied up for the full 10 years. Let's talk about the current environment now. Are there any trends that you're seeing in the private equity space at the moment? Yeah, I think we've seen a, a very positive trend in the in the past decade, really, um, which has also been supported by the, the low interest rate environment um, that we've had really for the last 10 years. And so if you look at the fundraising activity globally up to COVID and even throughout COVID in 2020, and we've seen record volumes of, of funds being raised by, by these private equity funds um, with a peak in 2021. And then I think um, the, more, the more recent trend is that the volatility that public markets are experiencing at this time have, have led to investor uncertainty in, in general, um, which has had a, an effect, definitely an effect on private equity fundraising, but fundraising is still active. The, the year could be closing at a similar level to 2019, 2020. And again, uh, this is a, a long-term asset class and a fund that will raise capital today or, or in 2022 will be deploying this capital throughout the next three to five years. Um, so it's not um, basically thinking about it as investing in today's valuation. I'll just add something to that, if I may. Yeah, I read a stat that the first nine months of this year have seen the second highest capital raising on record, which is interesting because, you know, it's been an awful year really for investments mainly. And to secure that much new capital, I think is telling us something. What is it telling us? First of all, that a lot of existing investors, large investors, have had a lot of money returned in the last three to five years. And so they are reallocating it back in a lot of the times to the same managers that have just given them the money back. So there's a bit of recycling going on, and these managers are raising more capital, I think because of what's happened this year. We've had a big change in asset values, and there is a contrarian nature about our fund managers in our business, that they invariably like to invest when prices are low, and they invariably like to divest when prices are higher. And there's a lot of cheap assets around there at the moment, out in the public markets especially. And my fancy is that I think there's going to be a huge amount of public to private transactions next year with all of this capital that's being raised. So when investors are thinking about their asset allocation then, why should they consider private markets? Well, um, 
not investing in private markets today, in my view, is a very 20th century way of investing. I started 22 years ago promoting private equity funds in the days when nobody wanted to buy them. But it's changed now. The private pool of capital has got deeper. Uh, we see entrepreneurs tapping that more. We see managements of large and small companies tapping private markets. So I think it just makes sense. I mean, if you're not investing at all in the private markets, you're going to miss out on a huge amount of investment opportunities. Different types of companies at varying stages of their development. You know, it's a bit like when you hit the public markets, once you IPO, perhaps your best years are behind you as far as growth's concerned and investment returns. So I always encourage people, it's not just about private markets, it's about public as well. So have a blend. But I think some investors might think that they can't get access to private markets. What are your thoughts there? Is there usually a high minimum investment? Well, yes and no. The first thing I would say was, if you were going directly to a fund manager, they run their funds really for institutional clients, you'd probably have to pay a minimum commitment of 10 or $20 million. Whereas there are other providers and platforms these days that offer private equity investments for a lot less, you know, tens of thousands sometimes. What about the issue of transparency in the industry? I think there are some concerns um, around this. What's your take on that, Michael? So I think by nature, private equity um, has a certain degree of information asymmetry around it. So as um, noted previously, you know, there, there are no publicly shared or, or published quarterly reports and, and media coverage is, is lower, which can give certain fund managers, let's say, a certain advantage against their competitors, which can lead to alpha. Um, so returns in excess of either average private equity returns or even average public market returns. So, I, I, I mean, the transparency... Yeah, by, by nature, by, by default is, is lower, but, but really it's more um, actually an advantage of private equity. I think there's a myth about public stocks and transparency of information. People have this idea that public shares are more transparent because they can see the price moving every day. And also there might be a quarterly or certainly half yearly report, um, but there's only so much that the executives of a, of a publicly listed corporation can share as far as data is concerned, especially if it's price sensitive. They've got to, you know, they can't say anything. Whereas in the private markets, if you are a, especially a, a large investor, there's a huge amount of information you can glean from the private equity managers, the owners of the company. So that's all for today then. To listen to this conversation in full, please search for What to Consider When Investing in Private Markets on the Beyond Markets channel. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and please note that the usual Moving Markets show will be back on Monday. That's the 9th of January. So do join us again then. Bye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. What will the cities of the future look like? What kind of vehicles will fill our streets? Think Tank is a monthly podcast where Julius Bear experts look further ahead into the future. 
We aim to capture the world's biggest longer-term themes and put them into context for investors. Search for Think Tank on your favorite podcast player.